0: The New Level Cap Podcast is a show about fun, friends, game design, and all things otherwise. Your hosts are Marco DeSantos and Brad Talton of Level 99 Games. I'm Chris Solis,
1: your producer, and without further ado, please enjoy the show.
0: But Marco, my cards have no heart. The heartless
1: cards. Oh, no. There are no hearts in my grandpa's deck, Kuiper. Orinotan, draw. Magic Kado Hatsudo! New Level Cap Podcast! Activate! Monster Kado! Dro- oh, monster Kado! <laughs> <laughs> we just do no. that back and forth for five minutes. Yeah, for five minutes, and then you like, like... You know the
0: thing that happens where you go like, ah! You know? like Yeah. For those who don't know, the Monster Kado meme is kind of the Japanese equivalent of over 9,000 for Americans. Kinda, of. so yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go look it
1: up on YouTube. It's it's literally just the scene of Yami Yugi repeatedly drawing monster cards and beating the heck out of Weevil Underwood or whatever their Japanese names are. So welcome to the Level Cap Podcast. Brad and I are in a CCG anime mood for a very specific reason. <laughs> Because collusion is here! Ah, Brad and I are colluding to bring you this podcast, and we've colluded to bring you Millennium Blade's Collusion, Yugi boy! Ugh. Marco,
0: my grandpa's deck has no pathetic cards.
1: Ah, yes, but the Heartless in my cards prevents your grandpa's deck from summoning Exultius, the
0: victorious one! Well, speaking of Heartless and, uh... (laughs) Rather um, and uh, and all that. And the Let's get soul. into and the yeah soul of the card. and the soul of the deck. <laughs> Let's talk about today's um, today's episode. Today we are going to talk about difficulty in games, and uh, and we're going to talk about difficulty kind of through the lens of two different games: one which is very difficult, and one which is generally considered not be very difficult. Yeah, Brad, um, I can't but believe both, we're... both of which are relevant. Because I'm playing both of them right now.
1: But Brad, I can't believe we have broken our promise twice. Because not only are we gonna be talking about the forbidden game, we're gonna be talking about the other forbidden game that we've embargoed.
0: So, so Yeah, I, I know. I... It's like it's like our word means nothing on this podcast, Marco. It's how like... could you how could you allow our credibility to lapse like this?
1: I'm sorry, but you're the one who picked this topic. <laughs>
0: How could you allow our credibility to lapse like this?
1: Oh, my gosh. We we. If you hadn't this. put up all these weird embargoes, there wouldn't be a problem. I see. I see. But you're the one who put the embargo
0: on the first one. I I don't remember anything like that.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Marco, right. how could you allow our credibility to suffer like this?
1: Uh, well, Brad, it's all to just increase the difficulty of doing this podcast. I see. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well. It's on theme. Yeah. So let's start out with some definitions then. Sure. So how would you define difficulty?
1: So essentially it's a bit nebulous, right? Because this doesn't just apply to games. Difficulty can really be applied to anything. But in my opinion, when you're talking about difficulty in games, it's usually the amount of time, effort, or skill required in order to accomplish a given task, right? So difficulty Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily just one thing. Thing right, it's not the number of enemies. Right, it's not various things within
0: the game might have their own difficulties. Some things might be more difficult than other things.
1: Sure, yeah. So it's very important to understand one big distinction, though. Brad, is that she... difficulty is not forgiveness. That sounds weird. <laughs> that sounds weird now that I say it out loud. But a game now, can that makes be, that makes sense, right? Yeah. A game can be difficult without being forgiving. And uh yeah. and a game can be difficult while also being forgiving. So uh it's very important to understand like forgiving in the sense that like just just look at the forbidden game Dark Souls, right? <laughs> yeah. So so that game is hard,
0: really, really hard, but it's forgiving, right? It doesn't erase. Right. Your as progress. long as you overcome the challenge, you get things back. Like Meat Boy is another great example of this. When Super Meat Boy, like anything kills you in one hit, but you respawn instantly and you can run the level again and it's like they don't care how many times you die. There's no game overs, there's no going back to start, etc. Whereas an unforgiving game might be like Super Mario Bros. You know, if you lose your last life to Bowser, you gotta go all the way back to World One and start from scratch.
1: Yeah. Or any of the roguelite games
0: or roguelike yeah. games, right? Like mm-hmm. some some yeah, of them
1: could be painfully easy to play, uh, but if you die you lose everything.
0: Yeah. Um or, or or some things, you know. It's it's a mix. But that's the that's the beauty of it is that it is such a sliding scale. Whether you're playing Wizard of Legend, uh where you get to keep all your, your gold, or you're playing Slate the Spire where you pretty much lose everything except the um card unlocks. Yeah, the card unlocks you carry over. Yeah. So yeah. So let's talk about um our two example games for for this episode that we're gonna be kind of filtering everything through.
1: All right, Brad. What are the two example games? I want you to I want you to broach the embargo on both of them.
0: So the first the first one is our quintessential difficult game. We're going to talk about Dark Souls, and and we're going to lift that embargo for this episode and talk a lot about Dark Souls. The other game is a game that we've talked about pretty recently, which is Kingdom Hearts. Uh, this is what we would say um, our easy game. If you will, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily, I wouldn't say necessarily because Kingdom Hearts doesn't require any skill, but to make this a definition, uh, Dark Souls is a game that the developers intend for you to lose, and Kingdom Hearts is a game that the developers intend for you to win when you play it. Would that be a
1: fair assessment? I think that's totally fair, right? And it kind of goes into the message of both of the games, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Because the message of Dark Souls is that life is suffering and the world is dying, and it's hard to save it. Whereas in yeah. Kingdom Hearts, is you know it's Disney, so the heroes. If you believe, have to save the if you heroes. believe
0: you can save the day.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. believe you can save the day with the power of
0: your heart, friendship, and six soras. <laughs> so anyway, so there's a lot of ways that these games do difficulty, but they all kind of feed back into that central idea whether the developer wants you to be fighting against the game or sort of riding along with the game. And that's, I think, what difficulty really accomplishes is it determines the, the core experience. If the experience is challenge or if the experience is emotional... Um, Fulfillment. Yeah, it's more about doing the thing as opposed to succeeding the thing.
1: Yeah. I or think
0: overcoming the thing.
1: I think that's very important to understand because when I play a game like a JRPG, if an encounter is built in such a way that I have to lose at least once or twice in order to accomplish it, that feels weird. But when I play mm-hmm. a game like Dark Souls or a platformer like Mario Brothers, if I die a few times, that's expected,
0: right? Yeah. Like these in these kind of games, you have to go into the encounter with a plan. And that can be as simple as, you know, having solved the puzzle in advance or having the right party makeup or having you know whatever but with a game like dark souls or even a lot of the uh like fire emblem type games you can't just run in and hack your way through to get through the story you are the the heart of the game is in overcoming the challenge with the resources that you have so you need to you know to have a plan and to have some execution and to to make it happen contrast with games where you're where you're meant to win kingdom hearts is a good example um or if you want to take your JRPGs for example most a lot of JRPG fights are just like stat checks and if you have a party of sufficient level you are expected to win there's not a particular strategy that you really got to follow beyond just keep your party healed up yep that's that's and, absolutely true <laughs> yeah um, good ones good ones do good ones do require some thought like uh, persona 5 i was really impressed with the boss fights in there because you You'd have to bring a team with specific kinds of mitigation and specific kinds of things, and and you know even the number of bullets that your team can carry is a big factor in a lot of boss fights. Yeah, um, I mean, so I mean,
1: I would say that that's completely true, but I just brought the entire team of physical attackers and over
0: leveled myself. So uh... you can also do that, and and I think that that's that's kind of in a lot of senses that's a Difficulty mitigation, if a game provides you levels, because even in a game like Dark Souls, I can level enough to beat a, an enemy. Or if I wasn't built properly to go into the fight, and I need to change my strategy, I can go level up and you know and branch into other tactics. So I think that's a a big part of of mitigating difficulty for players that don't want to, to tough
1: it out. Uh, how do I explain this? A lot of people oftentimes, quote-unquote, make fun of Dark Souls, or a lot of people who are casual say... Dark Souls needs an easy mode, right? But what <laughs> I don't ultimately understand is, Dark Souls does have an easy mode. It's called grind for twenty minutes. You you know what I yeah. mean, right? Like Kingdom Hearts is a traditional kind of game that gives you the option to pick a difficulty at the start, right? So they mm-hmm. have like the easy mode, the normal mode, and is it still called proud mode?
0: Yeah, it's still it's still proud mode. But but what do these difficulties actually change in the game?
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to implementation. I think it's very fun to talk about implementation in this way. So um, there's like three kinds of implementation. And Kingdom Hearts, when it comes to normal, uh, easy, and proud mode, I feel like makes use of this thing called. <laughs> it's it's okay. Look, I don't come up with cool new So to, to coin your own phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. To coin my own phrase. To coin to coin my own phrase. Um, it's called number difficulty.
0: Essentially, I mean, like this is the kind of difficulty we're talking about. We're talking about just inflate, like stat inflation. Yes, exactly. On challenges, so the monsters don't do anything different. They don't. They just hit harder and they soak more hit points. Or you have less hit
1: points, or you deal less damage, or something. So you're just
0: requiring you're just requiring stricter execution, but not different execution from the player.
1: Yeah, but. in a in an RPG or uh, any game with levels for that matter, it doesn't even mean that. All it usually means is just grind more, right? Like, in a, in a lot of cases, it
0: can be if
1: it's if it's not done well. Yeah, if it's not done uh, well. So these these kinds of things aren't like, in my opinion, these things have their place. They can be useful in to some degree, but like, there's a certain threshold you meet where adding more numbers doesn't make the experience ever more engaging. It doesn't make anything better.
0: It's a lot like, um, say, like the difference between, say, Third Strike and Street Fighter Five. Like when, when you want to do an execution um, in the Street Fighter Third Strike, there's like very fine frame windows when those qu- sorts of things will work in Street Fighter V, they blew up the input windows so there's input delay and then those controls are very loose you can you know buffer things and you know just tap pretty much whatever you want as long as you tap the right buttons in a certain window you you hit so the main difference between those two games is really just that the windows are a lot smaller and it re- so it requires a much stricter execution which means that even if you know what to do academically you have to practice extensively to get the right you know to hit that right timing so these games these games end up being a lot more about proper execution than about like large-scale large-scale strategic decisions
1: i guess that's Uh, um, true it really depends on the kind of game you're playing though because at some point in a jrpg that's turn-based and essentially a stat check you, there's yeah. there's no there's no way to quote unquote properly execute that, right?
0: All all it means that's, is you just that's drag true, water. yeah. <laughs> all it means I is mean, proper execution, execution is making the right move at the right time to mitigate enemy um enemy actions against you. So, you know, casting protect, right or reflect right before a big spell comes in. Or a big physical attack for protect. That that's, kind of a, a thing. That's fair. Right?
1: I guess my my point here is that number difficulty is a dangerous kind of difficulty because when yeah. you reach a certain point the game ceases to be fun for the player to play right like
0: yeah i i can see what you i can see what you mean there and i think that there's 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 a bit of a dichotomy to it cuz some players really want to see that that high ceiling skill execution and and feel good about overcoming that but i think for the majority of players the fact that they know what to do is more important than the, the fact that they actually do it yeah so you know if i if I go into a boss fight and I know to roll right and I do that, I don't care really if I hit you know five frames early or five frames late. I, I knew I was supposed to roll right when you know when the boss attacked I memorized the pattern, that's the game. The execution maybe is not uh, is not such a, a big deal to me that I hit the execution yeah so and it's, it's it's fine, right because if you take away all uh, execution, then you lose difficulty.
1: And that's not good, because no challenge is boring.
0: Yeah, and I think as a designer, part of your responsibility is to understand what the true difficulty of your game ought to be. So when we talk about Dark Souls and Kingdom Hearts, I don't want to knock either. One of those, like, Kingdom Hearts knows what it is, and that's why they set their difficulty up the way they do. And Dark Souls knows what it is, and that's why they set up their difficulty the way they do. And if you give controls to, like, tighten and loosen those execution windows, you're essentially saying to the player, like, hey, you can play it your way, or maybe even, in the worst case, I don't actually know what's right for you, um, even though I'm the designer of this game, so figure it out for yourself. Yeah and, yeah, and that's And that's a little, that's bad. And I think so, and it's one reason I think I applaud Dark Souls' approach of, look, this is the game, this is the difficulty, more. So, so we talked about this number difficulty, which is just kind of inflating stats and forcing the players to, to play better, but doing essentially the same thing. Uh, what else have you got?
1: Well, you know, okay, to coin another phrase, something called skill difficulty. So essentially, there's, in game design, there's like you know, a difference in scale, which is what we were talking about, right? Difficulty mm-hmm. is, made, is created by making things bigger, essentially. Mm-hmm. But there's also a dif- difference in kind. So it might seem weird, but, like, for example, the harder and harder you get into a certain kind of game, uh, say Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire is a good example of this because when you enter Ascension mode, which is essentially their version of difficulty, you can increase your Ascension level. And the more you increase it, uh, they have certain levels wherein enemies start doing different things that they didn't used to do.
0: Mm-hmm. So now they have so new it's patterns. not just so we're actually having to learn new skills to compensate for this this tougher difficulty the game's introducing a new puzzle or a new challenge that's building upon the old one yeah. um, and i would say this is kind of the difficulty that is an inherent part of most games progression yes. right when you start a game like mario brothers you are you know you you get the basics you go through the first few worlds but then world 2 introduces a new mechanic right and so that you're changing The rules of the game a little bit, and players have to adapt and learn new skills. And so I think that that um, is kind of part of the natural game progression, in a sense. It's not something we would typically tune with a slider. It's something we build into the very design of the game.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's very important to understand that you can also increase the difficulty of the game by just increasing the quote-unquote burden of skill or the burden of knowledge on the player.
0: I've got a good one to, to, to lead off with because I remember talking about Batman last, uh, last episode. You start out that game with like two gadgets and by the time the game is over, you have like nine gadgets and there's enemies that require each of these different gadgets to complete. So you have to be aware of your entire arsenal in just about every fight in order to uh to compensate for all the different kinds of enemies the game is going to throw at you. Like the ultimate point is that
1: by have by the game requiring you or by the game expecting you to know certain things at certain times the game yeah. becomes harder. But the yeah, earlier yeah. you make it or the faster you progress to the point where you have all the things, that makes the game significantly harder than if you trickle the things one by one or every 6 hours. You know what I mean?
0: Mhm. Yeah. Well, I've got a third one for you. That would be, to coin my own phrase, a route difficulty. And in a lot of games, you have the opportunity to take a tougher path or an easier path. And, you know, do you want to go up or do you want to go down? Star Fox would be the classic example of this. Or Star Fox 64, mm-hmm. right? Where you can choose which route you want to take through the galaxy. Uh, Castlevania 3 is another great example where you can take the high road or the low road um, to go to the next stage. And um, Dark Souls, of course, is, is a great example too, because there are, the areas are all pretty much accessible to you. It's just a question of can you beat the difficulty curve of that area? Yeah. And um, so letting the players choose to take these alternate routes or to try different builds or to you know, play the game in a different way that'll increase difficulty manually in, in their own way, that's an interesting way to implement difficulty as well, because you can let players tailor their own experience. As long as you understand that um or as long as the players understand that, that that they're that's what's expected of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is this is actually something that Dark Souls does well, but also doesn't do well. Ooh. So mm-hmm. for once we're using Dark Souls as a bad example. Oh Brad, joyous occasion, happy days. <laughs> Everyone knows how to get mm-hmm. the Drake sword, which is like this special really OP early game item. That basically ruins everything for the first five, six hours of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Which was supposed to be some sort of route difficulty, right? Because it's a reward for you doing this niche thing that nobody was expected to do. It's supposed to be some sort of secret, right? But because uh-huh. of the so internet... So you're saying
0: spoilers, spoilers kill the route difficulty.
1: Spoilers kill the route difficulty. Uh, And maybe this is something that us game designers have to start considering in the future... But adding in a secret that essentially invalidates the challenge of the first
0: six hours of the game is weird, because... Yeah, you know, I think that's a choice people make. Like, I, I went through Dark Souls 3 without using the internet, um, and I managed to, to get through it. And that's part of choosing their route difficulty, is whether they choose to be guided by an outside source, or to play the game kind of as the designers intended.
1: Hmm, that's fair. You know, ultimately, I think that's something that's a design space that we should consider. In that, as like like the
0: the meta design, yeah, of the games. meta design
1: of games. Like like you, I think there's a there was a really great extra credits episode about this, so I'll link it in the description down below. But they were talking yeah. about how people should design games that have content that only five percent of people will ever see, because the internet <clears throat> makes it so that everyone gets to see it, even if most people can't or something yeah, like that. I think
0: uh, Undertale is a great example of this. Like you don't have to beat Undertale to see all the endings. You can just go watch them. Oh, yeah, uh, that's so true. That's
1: so true. Anyway, this is
0: a, this is a great topic for a future episode, but I think it's time we take a short break and we'll come back in a bit and we'll talk about how to how the advantages and disadvantages of difficulty in games. All right, Brad, let's
1: take a break. Monster Cardo. Millennium Blades Collusion is now on Kickstarter. Discover 400 new cards, NPCs, team play, and an epic storage solution to store it all. You can find a link to the Kickstarter in the description. Ah, it's kind of weird that I hit myself with the monster card draw. But whatever, welcome yep. back from the break. That was a really long anime power up scene about Millennium Blades collusion or some other thing. So don't worry about it at all. Welcome back. We're here to talk about difficulty. And honestly, Brad's <laughs> difficulty of life is that it's so hard.
0: It's it's tough. It's tough to put up with your shenanigans in these in these podcast episodes, let me tell you. Yeah. That's the main difficulty in my life. I see.
1: Is it number difficulty, skill difficulty, or route difficulty? <laughs> Um, I, It must
0: be route difficulty, because I keep choosing to, to appear on these episodes. That's true. That's true. Uh, so that's, that's really your fault. You bought into this. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. Well, let's talk about the advantages and disadvantages of controlling difficulty. I mean, difficulty is a thing that's going to be in your game. So there's not really an advantage or disadvantage to any particular difficulty. Um, but what we can talk about is how... What you can gain by actively controlling and managing difficulty in your game and tuning that. And what you could stand to, to lose if you don't correctly manage difficulty in a game design. Yes.
1: Uh, to make it very clear, when we say controlling difficulty, we mean on the designer end, not on the player yeah.
0: end. And the, that, but one of the design choices you could make is to give the player some control, like oh, setting a difficulty mode.
1: Yes, 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 of course. I, I'm not sa- But yeah, just making it very clear that we're not talking about player side here. We're talking about designer yeah. side. This is a designer mm-hmm. podcast, not a player podcast.
0: Yeah, I thought that was obvious. That was like That was just clear from the premise.
1: Oh, that's true. That's true. So, Brad, tell me, what are some of the very nice things that we get to do if we control our difficulty, or at least if we design with difficulty in mind?
0: Yeah, so when you design with difficulty in mind, you can use your difficulty, like you were saying earlier, to convey the feel of the game. Like we were saying when we compare and contrast Dark Souls and Kingdom Hearts, you know, Dark Souls is a game you play against, Kingdom Hearts is a game that you play with. Hmm. And it's a game that, you know, you know that I'm intended to lose, or I'm intended to win, and it creates a, a different message. right? And you can tell that in the tone of these games, but difficulty is a big part of the tone of these games. When you go into a fight with Sora, you, f- you feel pretty confident that you can win, and if things seem grim, then you know a Disney hero or a theme park attraction might pop up and save you anyway. <laughs> um, you've got competent you know, uh, confident allies, except who for will, Donald, who will never heal you. Who will focus on, on healing you? <laughs> usually, ostensibly. Um, oh my God. And you have like five or six different mechanics that are just all gravy, all extra power to help you out right yep um whereas in in a game like dark souls you know the everything is is designed to kill you there's no encounter that you can't lose in that game like any enemy that shows up any trap has the potential to kill you and and so you go into every fight knowing that that this is a real thing that i have to be fully invested anyway so as far as advantages and disadvantages what that what that can mean is that you construct a game more for a casual or a hardcore audience. You can kind of let players know from the difficulty who is intended to play this game. Um, yeah, you can, you know, you can, and especially for players that love that high skill ceiling execution challenge, um, those players tend to truly fall in love with the game and gravitate to it really heavily. Some yeah. of my favorite times with games have been games like Meat Boy and Celeste, games that really require a lot of difficulty. Um or a lot of execution, a lot of skill to get right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean ultimately it's also about the world, right? That you're trying to represent and the, the kind of experience you're trying to give. Um
0: I think it depends. You could you could start with the difficulty in the gameplay, or you could start with the world and use the difficulty to um to bring to life some truth about that world.
1: I think it both it works both ways, right? And that's what's so great about <laughs> this specific thing in design is that you could totally just do it afterwards, or you could totally do it while designing. And it's it's so good at how you can modify it at different points in time to convey different things. And ultimately I feel like it's important to understand that challenge and difficulty is part of any game, but games can be designed around the catharsis of the difficulty, or at least overcoming said difficulty, right? Yeah. I mean that's Dark Souls in a nutshell, right? Every I think, time Yeah, th- I
0: think a big part of the premise of this is that you say, like, well, what if I make this super hard game that everybody's going to die at, but the player is, is undead and they can return to life endlessly and they will have seen these extremely hard challenges three or four or five times already. And so then it's, it, we can allow the game to have a much higher skill ceiling because our mechanics and our storyline all are built around this kind of core idea that you've been here before and you're kind of reliving this, this challenge.
1: Oh my gosh, I just realized something. Mm -hmm. You know those stories and those anime and those manga where, like, the premise is that the main character is this, like, 30-year-old, 50-year-old grizzled veteran who knows a lot but made a lot of mistakes when he was young? And then everything Mm -hmm. ends in shambles and tragedy because he wasn't strong or wise or brave enough? And then when he dies, he wakes up as a teenager again and realizes he has a second chance at everything? That's Dark Souls.
0: Is that a genre?
1: (laughs) Yes, that's a specific genre. That sounds like a very specific,
0: very specific instance.
1: <laughs> yes, but it's a genre. There's at least oh, okay. I can name at least seven comics or seven manga that are literally this story. Okay, you you you're the guru here. You're, I'm the anime guru, but like, yeah, that's essentially the fantasy that Dark Souls is, right? You always come back to every encounter. Yeah. More with wise. all the knowledge
0: and power that I've accumulated, now can I overcome this challenge?
1: Oh my gosh, that's so good. We should make an entire game that's like that. That would that'd be interesting. Well, the game is Dark Souls. So you don't have to make it, you just go play it. All right. I hate Dark Souls so much. Eating up my ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so Brad, that's how that's how that's how good it can be. That's how that's the That's the great case. That's what happens when designers are nice.
0: But but take a look at the other side, right? When you look at a game like Kingdom Hearts, right? This is a game that is really all about the spectacle. It's all about the cinematics and doing the cool thing, going to the cool place. It is it feels like a theme park where I'm running through these attractions, right? Yeah. And I don't want to encounter the same attraction over and over and over again. Right? I want to have this crazy fight with the Titans and then defeat them all and then move on to the next thing. I don't want to have to fight the Titans like 5 or 6 times and watch all the cutscenes and you know, fly through the tornado over and over and over again. That's that's not interesting. That's right? fair. Because these fights are more cinematic, and you can you can kind of see that, like um the first fight in Kingdom Hearts three, the Titan fight, that fight takes like twenty minutes to finish. Uh you know, maybe even more. Whereas in a game like Dark Souls, each you walk into the boss room, the fight's gonna be over in a minute and a half tops. Either right? because and, you die or they die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the fights are quick and lethal. And I think that speaks a lot that the difficulty of that, that a fight is either going to end or be ended quickly by the boss, or it's going to take a while, but you're almost certainly going to win in the end. That's, that's important. If the Kingdom Hearts fights were really difficult, and they took 20 minutes, that would not be good design. Welcome to proud mode, I guess. Yeah, I feel like that's that's I feel like that's what Proud Mode is. Um
1: I mean that literally is what it is, right? Sora can't get yeah. HP, like he basically dies in two
0: hits every time and every boss fight is still the same length. Yeah. So I think that, that you know, it allows you you know, picking the right difficulty for the style of game you're creating is important.
1: Or nothing's worse than a JRPG with impossible boss fights that take thirty minutes.
0: Yeah. Like what is it, the um I feel like some of the Shin Megami Tensei games, the older ones, were a lot like this, where you die and then you you know, you know, go back to the last save point. That's really an artifact of 90s game design when we didn't know any better. But people are not playing these games for the challenge. And in a game where enemies, especially like um, like the SMT series, where the wrong mix of enemies can show up and just annihilate your party in one round without response... It's kind of poor design to to force player to go all the way back to their last save, which might be an hour away. Games were built with the idea that you were a kid and you had 150 hours of free time to play them. <laughs> right? Okay, that's uh, fair. Our modern games don't don't come with that uh don't come with that assumption. Yeah, because games are for adults like you and me, Brad. I think that um yeah, as we grow up we demand a better you know, a tighter, a tighter control on difficulty, something that integrates with our lifestyle. And I know that people who, you know, who don't have a lot of free time, they don't want to play a game like Dark Souls that's gonna take a lot of time and keep setting them back. They want to play things where they can see consistent progress and they know they're getting towards the end of the game.
1: Yeah, that's why right? JRPGs are so nice to play, despite the fact that they take forty hours. It never feels like you lose anything.
0: Yeah, when a JRPG is a good example game that is about the story, and so you, what you find is that. The JRPGs that generally have lower difficulty or cleaner, like better, better design difficulty, uh, that tends to be a big factor. And that's why Persona Five is so much more playable than Persona Three, because you don't you don't have to grind in that game. You can play it straight through, and the difficulty curve is nice and clean, and it scales with your party in a way that it just doesn't in some of the older SMTs and Persona games. Hey Brad, let's talk about this. What happens when you poorly manage your difficulty? Well, I think we've, I think we just, we really just said it, right? Like you waste everybody's time or um, you create an experience that is, that is dissonant, right? Like a long boss fight where you can die in a few hits. That's not a good experience for players because they have to, you know, sustain execution of skill for, you know, a long, long time uh, just to reach the next portion of the game. So yeah, you can, you can create the, you can create a poor experience, a poor player experience when you don't manage difficulty.
1: Yeah, I think one important
0: thing is that when you don't manage... Like, it's not even just
1: difficulty of the game itself, right? But just the difficulty of how you play the game. It's not just about the JRPGs, like... Enemy stats or enemy encounters. We're we talking like,
0: that? Like, uh, like, like Gauntlet, Streets of Rage type. You know where uh, the game is just hard so to get you off the arcade stick, or to force you to put another quarter.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's, there's that, right? There's, there's ultimately the fact that the game is just made hard for no reason. Yeah,
0: for, for not, not counting the experience, but counting the, uh, the business model of the game. I feel like that's a lot true of a lot of our casual games these days. Like, you think this is an artifact of the past, but it's really not. If you look at games. Like the modern Angry Birds games, if you fail a stage, they're like, hey, why don't you basically, basically pay a quarter to continue? Are you serious? They, it's, it's you know, you get these like in-game gems or gold feathers or whatever, and they let you get an extra bird in a stage. And so um, if you run out of those, you have to buy more with real money. Wow. So it's kind of like they give you a $1.50 to go to the arcade and play. But if you run out, you have to go and bring, you have to get your own dollar next time.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: And And, so it's possible to beat the game without that, but not practically. It's not practically possible to beat the new Angry Birds without spending some money on it. Let's talk about
1: uh, Diablo, or at least Diablo when Blizzard first released it Diablo 3, I mean, where everything was made more difficult just to force more money out of players' pockets right to make them do go to the real money auction house well,
0: or yeah like the difficulty the difficulty being created to force people into the economy system
1: yeah which is which is not good right because that's predatory on your players and that doesn't give it, them a good experience it doesn't
0: feel good if your game is if your game is not integrated with the economy like let me give you an example right like with magic the gathering. I know that I'm gonna have to buy more cards, uh, and so I'm okay with that, right? But when um, when a game says that it's gonna be like when a game asks me to to you know buy the complete game, and then says oh you also gotta buy more cards or you know that's kind of what happened to Artifact. You bought the game and then it's like oh by the way you've got to buy more cards to stay competitive, because the game is not gonna give you more cards free to play. Oh it's God. not a it feels like it's an incomplete experience or that the economy is disjointed somehow from the game.
1: That's fair, that's fair. Right? I remember but, somebody saying something yeah. along the lines of like if Artifact ever became
0: successful, everything they know about game design would be wrong. Yeah. But we're getting into a totally different topic, and it's a great topic for our next episode. So why don't we talk about game economies uh, and meta game economies? Uh, next time on the level cap
1: podcast. You know what? Comment section, tell us if you'd love to hear that. Okay, so one more thing about difficulty, Brad, and I feel like this is a very important thing. Is that if your game is a game that's meant to be hard and designed around being hard, you're essentially limiting your audience by giving a huge barrier to entry to just even play or progress through your game.
0: And yeah, you're creating a game that is going to be, you know, it's going to be really loved by a few people. Or by by a good number of people, but a certain kind of person. Yeah. That difficulty tells you who the player base is, and you may exclude other players by your difficulty. I don't know that this is a negative per se, because any game that nobody hates, nobody's going to love either.
1: That's fair. That's, a,
0: that's that's kind of a commonly accepted adage in game design that if you if your game does if nobody hates your game, nobody will love your game. Yeah. So you have to design for somebody. You have to design the game for somebody. And if that person likes difficult games, then it's great. And if that person doesn't like difficult games, then it's they're not your audience. And that's okay, too. Hmm. Um, the worst is to try and make a game that's all things to all people. Um, and then you just kind of fall on your face. Well, that's the
1: that's the mismatch, right? So like that's yeah. what we were talking about earlier. That if you adjust the difficulty wrong for the wrong kind of game, then you made a game for someone, but also created a barrier of entry specifically aimed at that same kind of person so you've yeah. shot yourself in the foot And at this, that point. this
0: all goes back to episode 1 in purpose and design right? We have a, we're designing a specific thing for a specific kind of person and difficulty is part of that equation and you can't ignore that. You have to design the difficulty of the game with that person in mind as well. Yeah,
1: Brad, how about I design the difficulty of this podcast by keeping in mind that we should have probably ended at around this time. Because we're reaching time. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Great. We're reaching time, and I feel like it's very nice to end this episode of the Level Cap Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to us ramble about game design, Dark Souls the Forbidden Game, and Kingdom Hearts the Other Forbidden Game. As usual, that's been me, your host, Marco de Santos, also known as Batman Mechanic Critic.
0: And me, uh, your other host, Brad Talton, also known as D. Brad Talton. Is it like Uh, V or D? D. It's a D. It's for David. I'm not a doctor. Not a doctor. Shh.
1: Not a doctor all right all right thank you so much for listening if you liked anything about this podcast please give us a like please subscribe to the podcast and give us a comment and tell us what you want us to talk about next week or just give us your thoughts on this specific topic how is difficulty in games for you do you like challenging games do you like easy games that let you just press one button and progress through the story please tell us in the comment section down below and share this with a friend or if you hate it share it with a friend of me brad take us out
0: all right it's been great marco and to all of you at home hope you have a great uh, great week and as always happy gaming happy designing thank you world of indians thank you and good night and good night
1: the new level cap podcast is produced by level 99 games join us next wednesday for more design talk and shenanigans thank you for listening